This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Listen, I am super excited about today. We are um, launching a new series this morning that's going to carry us for the next four weeks. And um, it's called Making Room. It's called Making Room. And so what you might not know about Central is in December, like second or third week of December, uh, we get a group of people together, about 10 to 15 people, and we plan all of our talks for the entire year. We plan all of our content for the entire upcoming year, every single Sunday, what we're going to talk about. Obviously, current events happen, things happen, and we, we need to make some changes. You know, we can. But I think last year that only happened like twice. Um, in the whole year. And so we plan everything we're going to talk about a year in advance. And so back in December, when we were talking and going through and saying, you know, what do we want to talk about this next year? What do we want to share? How do we want to share it? Um, you know, sort of what sort of um, theological journey or faith journey do we want to take our faith community on through the teaching over the next year? This was something that came up that I was really excited and intrigued by uh, when we started talking about it. And so it's this idea of making room. And essentially, it's a series about having open conversations. Um, we felt like, you know, coming out of 2017 and how sort of seemingly divisive it was and polarizing it was um, just with current events, that it would be nice for us to talk about how to have an open conversation, how to have um, sort of making room at the table for people who are not necessarily just like us. Maybe for people who don't think like us, who don't vote like us, who don't uh, believe like us, who don't dress like us, who don't look like us, who don't live like us. Um, Being able to have those sort of conversations, being able to have those sort of uh, relationships and dialogues. And so, um, you know, central is a safe place for all people, right, to explore, to encounter, to experience, to engage Jesus, Right? We say this all the time. We say everyone is welcome at Central Church. You want to come here and you want to find Jesus, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of baggage you bring to the table. doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't even matter the current junk that you're in. If you want to explore Jesus, if you want to engage Jesus, if you want to, you know, experience Jesus, you are more than welcome to come do that here. But the reality is that doesn't just happen, right? A place like that doesn't just happen. The culture that we have here at Central being a place where everyone's welcome doesn't just happen on its own. It takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a a lot of doing things on purpose to make that sort of community, to make that sort of culture, to make that sort of mindset available. And so I think one of the main ways that we as as Central, one of the main, main ways we do this is that we define ourselves from the inside out rather than the outside in. And I talk about this all the time. Let me just explain it really quick. Oftentimes, when you're going to be part of a group or part of a church or part of a community or whatever, it's typically defined by its parameters, right? It's typically defined by these are the outliers, right? If you fit within these parameters, then you fit within this group, right? Does does that make sense? So that's why there's so many different denominations. That's why there's so many different churches. That's why there's so many different, you know, all kinds of stuff, different clubs, different men's groups, different girls' groups, different, all, all these different things. If you fit within these parameters, then you can be part of this club. So they're defined by the outside moving in. But see, here at Central, we kind of flip it, and we are defined by the center. We say we put Jesus at the very center, right? The center of our hearts, the center of our lives, the center of everything that we're trying to do. And if you want to chase after Jesus with us, 
It doesn't matter where you are on your journey. As long as he's at the center, come on with it, right? You can be part of Central. You can be part of us. Does that mean that we all believe the same thing? No. Does that mean that we all have the same exact doctrine? No. Does that mean that we all have the same exact theology? No. Does that mean we all vote the same way? No. Does that mean we all believe the exact same things on different social issues? No, we don't. But what we do hold at the center is that we're chasing after Jesus. And if you want to chase after Jesus, then come on. You can come with us. Because we believe that, you know, Jesus, right, Scripture says that he's pure light in him. There is no darkness at all, right? And so the closer you get to the center, the more that stuff's going to work itself out, right? It's not our job to work all that stuff out for you before you can come follow Jesus with us. Our thought is come follow Jesus and all the junk will work itself out, right? Jesus, Holy Spirit, they're, they're, they're pretty good at that stuff, <laughs> a lot better than I am, right? And so that's kind of the idea here at Central, but with this series, this Making Room series, what we're hoping to do is look at how we create a space like this at Central, but also how you can create a space like this in your sphere of influence, how you can create space in your life and in your job and in your family, places where you habitate, how you can create these sort of conversations, how you can create and cultivate these sort of relationships. Because if you look around and say, man, everybody in my life looks like me, thinks like me, dresses like me, votes like me, believes like me, you're missing out on a whole chunk of life, right? You're missing out on a lot of people. And so the idea is that we need to have open conversations. We need to have, you know, open relationships with people. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks kind of talking about this, this idea of making room in our hearts, making room in our lives, making room at the table. And so week one, which is this week, we're calling it setting the table. And we're looking at the foundation of this. The foundation of this is love and forgiveness, and so we're going to talk about those two things this morning to kind of set the foundation. But then next week, it's, it's week two of setting the table. And we're going to talk about things like empathy and equality and judgment and kinship and what it means to be a creation of God and how, we, how God views us and how we should view each other and all of that. And so we're going to talk about that next week. And then in week three, we're going to talk about inside the church we're going to look at diversity within the family, right? How many of y'all got some diversity in your family at home? Some of you are like, amen, they're crazy, amen, right? Well, it's like that in the family of God too. There's diversity in the family of God, and so we need to talk about that, and how is that okay, right? How can we make that okay? How can we not get pissed off at people who don't believe like us, you know? If you think communion should be one way, and we think communion should be another way, and they think communion should be a third way, how can we all still like each other? And not think that they're all going to hell and we're the ones that are right, going to be in heaven by ourselves with Jesus, right? Like, how do we get past that? And so we're going to talk about that in week three. And then in week four, we're going to look at outside the church. And how do we have unity within our diversity? How do we not ostracize ourselves as the church and say, they're all hateful sinners on a highway to hell and we're the holy ones and we're separate from them? Us and them, right? We're going to kind of kill that mindset. And so it's going to be a really cool, really interesting series. It's going to be a, um, you know, it's going to be kind of stretching for some of us. It's going to be kind of challenging for some of us. And some of us are like, man, I'll see you in three weeks. I'm not coming back. That's okay too. But it's going to be a really, really, really cool talk. And I'm really excited about it. And so this morning we're setting the foundation. We're setting the table, talking about love and forgiveness. So let me pray. And then um, we'll launch right into this. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for, you know, the, uh, the, the awesome worship experience that we just got to share where the voices of the audience carried it, and it was so beautiful. Such an awesome time. God, I thank you even for this weather, man. 
it's so beautiful and different and changing and changes things up. And God, we just, we thank you for the, the opportunity we had this morning that we got to come together and we get to open your word and allow it to speak to us. I pray that it would encourage us. I pray that it would challenge us. And I pray that we would leave this morning changed. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen, amen. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones or your tablets or whatever, you can turn to Mark chapter 12. Um, I'm going to be looking at Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And it says this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, this is Jesus talking, right? And just to kind of set the stage for you a little bit, all the religious elite are standing around having a conversation, right? All these, like, uh, it would be like modern-day theologians and pastors and, like, leaders of megachurches and all this stuff. These dudes are all standing around, and they're like, we're going to corner Jesus. We're going to get him to trip up on himself. We're going to get him to say the wrong thing. We're going to get him to kind of stumble on himself because he seems to know what he's talking about, but let's ask him a doozy. And so we're like, all right, Jesus, What's the most important thing? Like, what's tip top of the list? What is the absolute most important thing? And this is Jesus' response. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Basically, he says, love the Lord, love God with all that you are. Everything that you are, love God with that. Bring it all to the table. Lay it all out there. Love God with everything that you are. And he says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Nothing is more important than loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. Nothing is more important than that. Loving God and loving people. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. You can't get mad at me for this. This was Jesus' response. And the thing is, there could have been a million other answers that would really, really satisfy a lot of churches nowadays and a lot of Christians nowadays, right? Jesus could have given a lot of answers that we would have been like, we can get more behind that than what he actually said, right? We can get behind it if Jesus says, what's the most important thing? Your dress code. You got to make sure you dress nice when you go to church. It's very, very, very important. That's tip top of the, we can get behind that. We're like, yeah, tell them. Bring your best to the Lord, amen, hallelujah, those sinners wearing jeans and shirts, you know what I'm saying? Like, people can get behind that, right? People can get behind, you know, the style of music. Yes, it has to be very holy and reverent. That's the way this needs to be, hallelujah, praise God, oh, yes, Lord, right? We can get behind that. We can get behind, you know, uh, Jesus says the most important thing is to have your correct theology, that your full understanding of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and God and God the Father and God, it all needs to be right in line and perfect. That's the most important thing. Right? Or, or our, our proper doctrine, what we believe about sin and what we believe about heaven and hell and what we believe about, you know, the Holy Spirit, what we believe about Jesus and the incarnation of Christ and what we believe about all these different things and the Holy Spirit and all this, you know, all these $50 words, that's the most important thing. We can get behind that potentially or maybe, you know, people would prefer that he says money management or communion rituals or drinking alcohol and what the thought is on that. Do we, are we allowed to drink alcohol? Are we not allowed to drink alcohol? Is it like a salvation issue? Is it not a salvation issue? Is it going to send me straight to hell or is it okay to have a glass of wine with my dinner? A lot of us would think, man, I wish Jesus would have said that was the most important thing. Right? Or he could have said the homosexuality in church and the relationship there. And is it okay? Is it not okay? Are they all going straight to hell? Is it an abomination or is it okay? You know, 
We wish Jesus might have said something like that or, you know, marriage equality. Is it the woman submits to the man or is it mutual submission or how does this all kind of work? We wish that he would have said, many of us wish that he would have said something like that. But you know what he said? Love God and love people. That's the most important thing. All that other stuff, not the most important thing. What's the most important thing? Love God and love people. He says the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I I love that because it reminds me of when I talk to my kids. I'll, I'll walk in and I'll be like, hey, Jude, you know that I love you more than anything in the whole wide world? He's like, even more than Titus? And I'm like, hey, Titus, you know that I love you more than anything in the whole wide world? And Monroe goes, well, Daddy, what about me? Monroe, you know I love you more than anything in the whole wide world, and they all go, and Jackie too? I'm like, okay, I love Jackie a little bit more than you guys. I love Jackie more than anything in the whole wide world. But I'm able to say that because they are all of equal importance. They are all, I love them all more than anything in the whole wide world. And and Jesus says, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That's super, super, super important. And what's equally super, 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 super important is love people. See, that's the foundation of this whole thing, is loving God and loving people. That's the only way that we're going to make room at the table. That's the only way that we're going to have conversations with people who are not like us. That's the only way that we're going to be relevant to people who are not like us. That's the only way that we're going to be relevant in this culture, in this day and age, is if we love God and love people. Because for so long, the church's stance was, I love God, but man, people are idiots. I could live without them. It's like, no, 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 no. No, Jesus says that the most important thing is to love God and love people, to genuinely, sincerely love people. And so we're, we're called to receive the love of God, but also reflect the love of God. And we have an easy time receiving the love of God. We're like, yeah, God, love me. Oh, yes, I accept your love. Hallelujah. But then when he says, oh, yeah, and you got to love other people the exact same way, We accept that love with all of our shortcomings and all of our screw-ups and all of our baggage and all of our bad decisions. We're like, yes, Lord, rain it down on me, hallelujah, yes, Lord. But then when he calls us to love people with their baggage and their mess-ups and their screw-ups and their choices that are different than yours and their whatever, then it's a different story. We're like, oh, whoa, wait a second, I'm called to love them, really, them? Well, yeah, God loves you, really, you, He says, love God and love people. Receive it and reflect it. A love for all humanity, all humanity, all people, all different walks of life, right? People who voted for Donald Trump, love them. People who voted for Hillary Clinton, love them. Yes. People who are different, you know, uh, socioeconomic status than you, love them. People who believe differently than you, Hindus, Muslims, atheists, yeah, love them. He doesn't say love the Lord your God and love everybody who looks like you, thinks like you, and dresses like you. He says love God, love people, all people, right? Different gender than you, different sexuality than you, different sexual orientation than you. We are called to love everyone. Some of you guys are like, man, this is like kidney punch after kidney punch after kidney punch. But guys, 
That's what we're called to do. We're called to love God and love people. And if we genuinely love people, then we're able to have conversations. Then we're able to have interaction. Then we're able to have relationship. I feel the tension in the room, man. I love it. I love it. It's viewing, listen, it's about viewing people, all people, through the same lens that God views all people. It's about viewing people through the same lens that God views people. Do you realize that God views people with an unconditional love? Do you realize the people that you can't stand, that get on your last nerve, God loves them just as much as he loves you? Do you realize the people that are, you know, in in your mind, you think they're living in sin and doing the worst things ever, and they're just horrible, horrible, horrible people? Do you realize that God loves them just as much as he loves you? Do you realize that? We're called to love them too, just as much as we love ourselves. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the ground level foundation necessary for creating a safe place to have conversations, to have relationships for all people from all walks of life to experience Jesus. Love is the foundation of that. Finding value and love in all people is the first step, the foundational step in introducing people to Jesus and for people to experience Jesus. Another pillar that's foundational to cultivating these relationships and bringing people to meet Jesus and to point people to Jesus is forgiveness. Love and forgiveness are at the ground level of this thing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32, it says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I love this passage in Ephesians. I love this whole section in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.29 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But in 31 and 32, this is almost like an instruction manual. It's almost like a manifesto for making room at the table. He says, you want to be inclusive? You want to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus? You want to broaden your horizons? You want to broaden your relationships? You want to broaden the base of the people that you're pointing to Jesus? Listen, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of your anger. Get rid of your harsh words. Get rid of your slander. Get rid of your malicious behavior, even on Facebook. It doesn't say that, but I think it should. If there's like a new revised standard version of something, the Sam version, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and malicious behavior. Paul's saying, let that stuff go. That doesn't need to be what defines you. That doesn't need to be what's pouring out of you and coming out of you. He says, instead, be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted and forgive one another just like God forgave you. Again, we receive the love of God. We reflect the love of God. We are called to receive God's forgiveness and reflect God's forgiveness. Again, it's super easy for us to say, oh, Lord, please forgive me for all that I've done wrong. Please shower me with your grace and your mercy. But we don't want to give other people grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's a lot easier to take it, but it's a lot harder to give it. Guys, the buck doesn't stop with us, right? And here's the deal. I think that a key ingredient for forgiveness A key ingredient for us to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us, for us to embody this love and forgiveness, I think a key ingredient is humility. I think humility is a huge 
part of this because for us to be able to forgive others, we must recognize our own shortcomings. We must recognize our need for forgiveness because we're able to be forgiven. We should therefore give other people that same leeway, that same amount of grace. When we realize that we're not perfect, we can't expect other people to be perfect. Does that make sense? Because for so long, the church has been characterized and painted as judgmental, as exclusive, as closed off, as thinking that we're better than everybody else. Guys, when we realize our own shortcomings, I realize I can be a really crappy person, right? I, I mess up all the time. When I'm able to realize that and embrace that and profess that publicly in a room full of people, then am I able to give forgiveness and grace and mercy to others because I realize I need it just as much. And that's what we're called to do, forgive others like Christ has forgiven, like God has forgiven us through Christ. And so for us to be able to set the table, for us to think outside of ourselves, for us to have these conversations, and like I said, to be relevant to people where they are, we must be a place and we must be a people who are grounded and founded in love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness are foundational. They're the ground floor for us to set and make room at the table. And in, in light of us receiving God's love and receiving God's forgiveness, our response should be to reflect that love and reflect that forgiveness. And so my question for you this morning is who is God calling you to love? Who is God calling you to love specifically in your life? Who is God placed in your path? Who is God placed in your sphere of influence? That he's calling you to love and you're being hesitant. Like, oh, I just don't, I don't want to love them, you know? Or maybe you're dragging your feet or you're being reluctant or maybe you're just straight up refusing. No, I will not love them. They don't live the way that I think they should live. I will not love them. They make choices that I don't think they should make. I will not love them. They believe things that I don't believe and I don't stand for. I will not love them. Who's God calling you in your life to love and you're resisting? You're saying, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. Not until they line up and fit within the parameters, which I think it's okay to love somebody. Guys, when we're doing it, we might not process it and think like it that way, but that's the reality. We're saying, I'm not going to love them because they don't fit in the parameters of what I think is okay to love. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. So who is it that God's maybe calling you to love? Who is it that God's calling you to maybe forgive and you're being hesitant? Maybe God's calling you to forgive them and you're dragging your feet or you're being reluctant or you're just straight up refusing. Saying, nah, man, I'm not going to forgive them. That's you standing in a place and saying, they don't deserve the same mercy and grace that I deserve. And so for some of us this morning, this is kind of like a, a gut punch. It's kind of like, a, oh, oh. For others of us, they're like, yeah, preach it. That's what I'm talking about, man. Right? For some of you. But for others of us, it's like, oh, man, I don't really like what he's saying right now. Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your own strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. That's the foundation of the church being relevant. That's the foundation of the church meeting people where they are. That's the foundation of the church doing anything that matters in the lives of people who don't go to church. Is if we're a people who 
love others as we love ourselves. And we forgive others with the same forgiveness that God has given us. And so who is it in your life that God's calling you to love? Who is it in your life that God is calling you to forgive? I want to give you guys a couple minutes to just kind of reflect and respond to that. And so Leo's going to play for a little bit. He may sing. He may not sing. We'll see what's going on with him. But I just want to give you guys an opportunity before we take off this morning for you to think who in your life specifically do you think that God this morning is saying you need to love them. Maybe it's a specific person. Maybe it's an entire people group. But maybe God's saying, hey, listen, Hey, wake up. Smacking you upside the head. Wake up. You need to love like I've called you to love. You need to love like I love you. Or maybe you need to forgive like I've forgiven you. Because I feel like God can give us very specific people or he can give us specific people groups that we're just kind of like, ah, nah, I'm not into that. But this morning, I want to encourage you, be into that. Receive and reflect the love and the forgiveness of Christ. Because this is going to be foundational moving forward over the next couple weeks of where we're going together. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word, even when it's super challenging. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would illuminate to us maybe those areas in our life that we need to change, that we need to grow. God, I pray for some of us this morning, we may be at step one where we just need to receive your love and forgiveness. Maybe we can't love others because we haven't received your love. Maybe we can't forgive others because we haven't truly embraced and received your forgiveness. God, this morning for those, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would wrap your arms around them and let them know that they are loved and they are forgiven. For those of us who are just not, we're we're, we're down with receiving, but we're not so down with reflecting. God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to just ignite something in us. That we would be a people, that our DNA, that our identity would be that of love and forgiveness. I pray that you would highlight areas in our lives where we need to grow in our love, where we need to grow in our forgiveness. God, I pray that we'd be able to do business with you this morning. We make ourselves available to you. We love and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.